the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. We hope you're having a good day today, and uh, it's a beautiful day in our neighborhood down here in northeast Mississippi, but our other co-host is not here. He is somewhere else, and uh, Devin, our producer, and I have fun these days saying, where in the world is Alex? Uh, (laughs) Now, in 2020, uh, he stayed in uh, Pleasant Garden, North Carolina, more than usual, but hey, Travels back in for you, isn't it, Alex? So where are you today, brother? Well, I'm in Colorado today because I, you know, I teach out here uh, periodically with uh, Karis Bible College, and so I had a meeting I had to come to regarding an apologetics course I'll be teaching in December. So anyway, but I'm coming to you from almost atop Pikes Peak, the town of Woodland Park, Colorado, at 9,000 feet above sea level. I've been there, man. A beautiful place. I was talking about a beautiful day in my neighborhood. Uh, it's got to be beautiful. Or is the smoke getting there? Is it bad there? Well, like- no, no. It's, it's, it is a beautiful day. And you know what? I ought to text you. I was uh, setting up in an office, the Comrex, and just literally 25 feet away from the window is the biggest deer you've ever seen, just grazing. <laughs> but, um, you know, that Woodland Park is really pretty. And if you're ever out this way, um, you know, it was Pikes Peak that um, uh, Catherine Lee Bates wrote America the Beautiful, and off in the distance felt like she could see those amber waves of grain. But, uh, you know, I've been so blessed, and some listeners will know, uh, I've been in Texas this year, I've been in Indianapolis, I've been in St. Louis, and uh, been in South Carolina, and been in Dallas, Texas, and uh, got some wonderful things coming up. In fact, I want to say this, and we're going to get into First Thessalonians, but I will be at Rockfish Church in Fayetteville, and we've just got such faithful AFR listeners there. Uh, August now, that's 20- Fayetteville, North Carolina, because there's a Fayetteville, exactly. okay. there's a yeah. Fayetteville, Arkansas, so over here we make sure we know which Fayetteville it is. And, and you know what? I was in Fayetteville, Arkansas back around May, and <laughs> yeah. we love those folks. But um, August 27th through 29th, we'll be doing one of our Worldview weekends at Rockfish Church. Pastor Tony McVickers, who is so dear to us, and all the people of Rockfish. And then listen to this, and we'll get into the Word of God. In September, September 10 through 12, I'll be in Columbia, Mississippi, the Tri-County Baptist Association. We've, it's going to be an evangelistic crusade, really. And uh, if you're in that part of the world, I surely would love to see you, September 10 through 12. And then um, September 26 through 29th, Calvary Baptist in Macon, Mississippi, going to be there. And uh, we just, we'll keep you updated. But yes, there's a lot going on for we evangelists to do. And I'm so thrilled to be on the road sharing the Word of God. We are glad to, Alex. And we are so thankful for you, brother. Uh, AFR feels like you're our traveling evangelist representing uh, this ministry. And we thank God for you. But we are in First Thessalonians chapter 3. And uh, we we started it a little bit, introduced it, but we do need to look at, at, at chapter 3, verse 1. And let me read verses 1 through 5 straight on because they really are connected. 
and it really has a lot to say. Listen to this. Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith that no one should be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. For in fact, we told you before when we were with you that we would suffer tribulation just as it happened and you know. For this Mm. reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter had tempted you and our labor might be in vain. Alex, this shows the heart of the Apostle Paul. He loves these people at Thessalonica, and he was straightforward when he established or planted this church with these believers. He said, you're going to suffer. Things will be disappointed. Matter of fact, you're appointed to affliction. In this world, we're going to have it. We're going to have tribulations, aren't we? Well, that's true, and you know what, Bert, it's funny you would say that. I was uh, communicating with a, a mission, a missionary friend last night, and Bert, you may have an update for me even beyond this, but they say that in Afghanistan that what few Christians are there are being persecuted. The yeah. Taliban knows that they are in control now for the first time in 20 years, and the word is that uh, there may be some martyrdoms of some Christians in Afghanistan that's, this week. That's what I'm hearing, and they're all honestly being hunted. Uh, you yeah. know, they've, they've kind of marked them. And you remember under the communist rule, what happens, it happens, and they, they pit neighbor against neighbor. That's why this division in America about black against white, male against female, and all of that, because they they use that to for control, to report on those yeah. that are not lining up according to their standard, their standard. And that's what they've done. They've looked at that, and they see that. And now, so we, we prayed for them yesterday. I hope you're still praying for those believers. Um, and matter of fact, Sunday at First Baptist Church Ball, when I'm going to be preaching out of Hebrews chapter 11, Alex, where it talks, it's the Hall of Fame of Faith. And, yeah. and when you start that off, you find out, man, this guy was delivered. This did a great work. And it says some were just able to escape the sword. But then in verse 35 and 36, it says, but others were tortured. It doesn't say uh, their faith was weak. It, it says their faith was as strong. Matter of fact, I, I honestly believe you nearly have to have greater faith to endure than you do to escape, you know? And, that's true. And that's so true. Uh, we're praying for our brothers and sisters in, in Afghanistan. I know we want to pray for the Americans, and we do, that they'll get out. But honestly, as believers in Christ Jesus, we have a stronger uh, uh, connection with fellow believers in Christ than we do with national uh, relationships. Now, we're, we're wanting both. Don't you hear me? Not saying that. I want the Americans out. But as followers of Christ— uh, there, you don't get any closer than that, Alex. That, that's true. 
That, that's, that's true. And you know what? Division is unhealthy for a, a family. It's unhealthy for a church. Division is unhealthy for a nation, isn't it? It is. And so Paul here, one more thing, and we want I, I just got to say a word about Timothy. He said, I'm sending Timothy. Notice this. Our brother, minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel. What? I mean, I, that's a pretty high recommendation, Alex. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I really love that. And he was that. And do you know what? Earlier in the, the chapters we were talking about how he says, you know, I, you, my crown and my joy is that you're walking with the Lord. You know, we imparted to you not only the gospel but our own lives, you know. I mean, that's a minister that he is willing to give his life, really pour his life into the ones to whom he's ministering. That's exactly right. So chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, tells the reason that he sent Timothy, his confidence he had, uh, to find out to encourage them because they were young in their faith, and they did not want the tempter, that's in verse 5, to yeah. come and lead them astray. And then in verse 6, it, it kind of has the response. But now that Timothy has come to us from you, that he sent it's Timothy, and now Timothy's good, good come news back. was a comfort, wasn't it? It was, and brought us good news of your faith and love, that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us as we also to see you. Now, I know he goes on, but is can you imagine? Just I try to bring the scriptures alive by trying to place myself there. I want to be a part of Paul's group that he's with, and I'm with Paul when he sends Timothy, and I'm with Paul when Timothy gets back, and I can just imagine Paul and those who are with him. Well, Timothy, how is it? How were those people at Thessalonica? And he gives a great report. You know, there was a sigh of relief and rejoicing there, wasn't there? Absolutely, absolutely. Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. In other words, he says, I was deeply concerned for your spiritual condition right now. And, you know, I just think they didn't have phone and, and really the mail service like we have. And so being apart, you know, it's hard. Uh, it's hard when you're apart from somebody you love and care about. Uh, so the good news that Timothy was able to bring back was a comfort. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. Now, Bert, uh, Paul reiterates this, but verse 8 is so powerful for a fellow Christian for a minister, we live, you know, what would, what would thrill me? What would be just everything to me if you stand fast in the Lord? Amen. I, I mean, and that really is the heart of a true Christian, because a true Christian, you know, it says uh, uh, not that we look after our own affairs, but we attend to all of the, the state of others. Um, Philippians 4.1, Paul had written, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and longed for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. For uh, Philippians 4.1 sounds a lot like 1 Thessalonians 3.8. That's a Christian when your, your heartbeat is the glory of God and the welfare of other believers. Well said, Alex. Amen. Now, I, I want to kind of bring a contrast you can stand fast in the Lord when you walk in the Spirit. You, now, Amen. You know, uh, walking in the Spirit, it has the idea that we're not stagnant, 
that we we are continuing. And we're going to get to the idea of sanctification later on, that we're sanctified in Christ. And sanctification is not a once and done deal. It is a continuing. Our redemption is one he's done, but he continues to do it. Our sanctification grows. So we walk in the Spirit so we can stand. Now, how do we stand? We stand fast. On what? Now, what he's talking about, if, if you, he's talking about they're still standing for Christ. That's the whole idea. And then he's going to add some here in the first uh, last uh, verse, uh, verses of chapter 3 and chapter 4 about what all that means because he said, I was taken from you very quickly, and I want to remind you of some things I said. But he said, you have stood fast. Alex, uh, I, I have no greater joy than to see that my children walk in faith and they stand for the faith. Uh, Amen. That is a testimony for these people at Thessalonica. Paul wasn't there long, but the Holy Spirit stayed with them, didn't he? Absolutely. Absolutely. Verse 9, Paul writes, For what thanks can we render to God again for you? For all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before our God, night and day praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Uh, verse 9, Paul is essentially saying, uh, I just can't thank the Lord enough for the joy of knowing that you're walking with the Lord. What thanks can we render to God again for you? Well, not enough. I mean, and, and you know what, Bert, I guess the longer I live, the more I'm so grateful for being a part of a nation that uh, we've got Billy Graham, <laughs> Samaritan's Purse, American Family, uh, a Christian heritage, you know, and in spite of all the problems, I mean, we really do have a remnant and revival could come. Uh, we've got so much to be thankful for. I mean, we really, really do. Um, Paul knew that. And he says, hey, now we're just praying night and day to come see you and build you up even more. And he's going to. He's going to build them up even in the faith. Stay tuned and you'll see what he means. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Jeremy Pelter, Deputy Undersecretary at the Bureau of Industry and Security. He advances U.S. national security, foreign policy, and economic objectives while promoting U.S. strategic technology leadership. 1 Peter 4.23 reminds us of the qualities of a good leader, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Jeremy Pelter in his role at the Commerce Department. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Dr. Tony Evans knows there are plenty of influences in the world trying to lure us off the path God wants us to follow. Today, he'll tell us a story about how to deal with them as we spend two minutes with Tony. We were coming out of the store and we walked in front of this huge display window. And in front of this huge display window, there was a crowd of people doing antics. They were doing antics, doing all that, waving their hand and screaming. And I said, what, what in the world is going on? So we walked in front of the window and we saw what was happening. 
in the window was a mannequin, but it was a human mannequin. So all the people gathered outside were trying to get her to move. They were trying to distract her. But this lady wouldn't move. She just held that stance as a human statue. I mean, on and on and on. She would not budge, even though everybody outside the window were trying to get her to budge. But I know why girlfriend didn't move. Because them people outside weren't paying her. No, it was the owners of Macy's that were paying her. So her obligation was inside the window, not outside to the crowd. If you have accepted Jesus Christ, your obligation is to your king, not to the crowd. The question first and foremost is, what does my king say? Because he rules. He is my authority. If you're ready to recognize Jesus' kingship by committing your life to him, visit TonyEvans.org, click on the top menu, and follow the Jesus link. He'll explain what it means to be a real Christian and describe the amazing difference it'll make in your life today and for eternity. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. In the Salvation Army Band, Playing this hymn And your grace rings out so deep It makes my resistance seem so thin So hold me Jesus Cause I'm shaking like a leaf You have been king of my Wow, that is such a beautiful song Amen. Hold me Jesus Isn't it. that something? <laughs> um did you notice that line in that song that says, makes my resistance seem so thin? Yes. Um, when, friends, when the Holy Spirit is calling you and prompting you, let God lead you. Don't have resistance to the Spirit of God. Hey, this is Exploring the Word with Bert and Alex, and uh, we're in First Thessalonians 3. I want to read something, verse uh, 11 and following, but Bert, I've got to ask you, uh, did a box of books arrive on your doorstep? They did this not. Week? I got home. I was looking for them, so mine are a little bit delayed. And uh, but well, I'm looking for them. Even my, I got my wife. She's out looking for them, and uh, well, we'll, they'll get there. Tell me about yeah. those books. You you got to open them and see them, didn't you? Uh, well, I haven't seen it yet. Angie called me and she said, "Oh boy, a box of books came," and she texted me a picture. So I've, I'm in Colorado at a faculty meeting, okay, so I haven't seen that's it, right. but she said it's beautiful. Amen. But, well, we're looking forward to 100 questions and answers. Now, uh, I, I, let me just say this. You could come up with 100 questions that Bert and Alex would have to say. We don't know, but the questions we selected are questions that we feel like we got a biblical answer to. We really do. And that's Amen. and I say that truthfully. Alex, you and I do our best and uh, nobody's perfect, but you and I have a high 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 regard for the word of God. And uh, so that's our basis. People say are you biased? I said I hope I am. I'm hoping I'm Amen. Bibi- I'm biblically biased. I I pray that I see everything through the lens of scripture and I know I'm I'm still working on that brother but those Amen. answers come from a a high view of scripture that we have don't they 
absolutely. And and I just want to say thanks to all of you all listening. And by the way, in just a few minutes, we're going to get to the calls. And here's this number if you want to call in. And uh, hey, if you've never called before and you're a first time caller, today is your day. And it's 888-589-8840. With all my heart, I want to say thanks to all of the listeners because thanks to you all, we had 100 questions to write about. (laughs) That's you know, true. And, yeah. and probably a hundred more. But listen to this. Um, Bert, have you ever heard somebody use the phrase straightway? Like uh, my grandmother used to say, you know, run up to the house and get me something. Now, straightway, yeah. meaning directly. Okay, listen to verse 11. Now, God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you. And the word there in, in the Greek really does mean straightway. In other words, Paul's saying, I'm hoping just right away with no twists or turns, God's going to get us together. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. Um, Sometimes Paul uses himself kind of as a reminder. Uh, Paul, he'll say things like, uh, you'll recall how I asked nothing of you. You you know stuff like that? Yeah. And so he's saying... Hey, I want to come right away, but until I get there, keep on abounding in love toward the Lord and toward each other, just like I've been the example before you. Alex, have you ever heard, you know, people that pray Scripture? Verses 12 and 13 are good prayers for an individual, a family, or a church. Listen to it again. And it says that, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another. That's a prayer request. And to all, not just to one another, but to all, we want to see the love of God pouring out. Uh, did you have a preacher ever, when you surrendered and said, Lord, yes, I'll preach, I want to teach, did you ever have anyone come up and encourage you, say, Alex, preach from your overflow? Uh, oh, yes. And, yes. and what that means is you, you just, you're in the Word of God, you're praying, you're directing your prayers to Him, and, and out of that, uh, he, it bubbles up and comes up, and you preach from that. Notice it says, and I, I thought of that when he said this love for all. May the love you have for one another, may it be so strong that it would overflow and go out to all. I, I just think that's awesome. He is praying for that, just as we do to you. Here's the rest of the prayer. So that he may establish your hearts. He wants to establish hearts. Have your hearts established. Have it sound. Know where you stand. Blameless in holiness. Uh, You know, don't live a life of questionable activity. Uh, You know, if you have to say, I wonder, probably chances are you don't need to participate and holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, with all of his saints. Alex, when I see that, that's a prayer that is good for a church, isn't it? Well, it really is. It, it really is. And it, he goes on uh, there in verse 13, to the end, and that's the word, uh, you know, teleos, the, the purpose or the design or the, the natural result that all Christians should aspire to. All right, why this love and being together, discipleship, prayer, thanksgiving, surrender? Okay, to the end that he may establish your hearts, 
unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. You know, I mean, throughout Paul's um, writing here, I mean, you've got the Trinity, references to God, the Father, the Son, the Spirit. But look at this, establishment of your heart, your life being unblameable, uh, your life being holy, your life lived before God, the return of Christ is referenced. We know we're going to stand before the Lord one day. I mean, uh, in a way, you could make a, a pretty good lesson about the Christian life and the Christian's aspiration. Notice verse 13 begins and concludes with, uh, okay, uh, an end. And that word a, is a good word. The end, uh, I had a friend uh, William Dembski wrote a book called The End of Christianity, and somebody thought, oh my goodness, The End of Christianity, but what he meant by that title was the the outcome, the purpose, the design, the appropriate purpose. Okay, what is the end? And it, it ought to inform everything you do and your priorities. Well, this verse concludes with the return of Jesus. See, you ought to be living, I ought to be living every moment of every day, in light of the fact that I'm going to see Jesus one day. I mean, Bert, isn't that? So we do want to be established in the faith, living a sanctified life, unblameable. Uh, holiness, growing in the Lord and letting the Spirit of God uh, birth righteousness in our life and mindful that we're going to see Jesus. I mean, Bert, if, if we really did live a purposeful goal-directed Christian life, I mean, that would that would change this country, wouldn't it? It would completely turn it around. Now, notice what you do. You do this before our God and Father. Now, in other words, you please him, and then you let the chips fall where they may. Now, that doesn't mean you're uh, uh, cold toward other people. It doesn't mean you don't care what they think. But it means your priority is pleasing him. Blameless in holiness. Who? Before the Lord. He's the one that's evaluating Alex. He's the one who uh, I want to hear say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. I want him to be pleased. And we're not to be men pleasers. We're to be God pleasers. To please him, how? With our hearts and in all holiness. Now, what that takes care of, Alex, it takes care of the inward thoughts and the outward actions. You know, it talks uh, in your hearts, you're blameless. In other words, you're, you've got a pure heart, your mind, your will, and emotions. And in holiness, in other words, how that works out in your life is actions that are good. And that's what he's going to get to in chapter 4. He's going to, in my opinion, he introduces that in this verse. And then in chapter 4, he gives some ideas of what it means to have this holy lifestyle, this sanctified lifestyle, because God is doing the work in us, and he is also bringing it out in us toward others. So I, I agree with you. That is an awesome prayer for a group. It's also an awesome uh, responsibility and a desire. You talked about the end. That's what I want the result to be. I want the result in my life to be one that I'm established as God is my Lord and Savior, he's my God, he's my Lord, and it results in a lifestyle that makes people know Christ Jesus. That is a worthy Amen. goal or end of, of salvation 
it would be, wouldn't it? Well, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, the the chapter divisions are great in this book. Well, in in all the Bible, really. But uh, verse one of chapter four says, "Furthermore, so this is a good transition. Furthermore." Then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as you have received of us how you ought to walk and to please God, so you would abound more and more. For you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. Now, Bert, uh, verse 3, and this is a question that we address in the book, and we've gotten this question frequently, how may I know the will of God? For my life, and and I understand. I asked that Bert when I was, you know, a new believer in my early twenties. I constantly thought, you know, what is my purpose, and what what's what should I pursue for my future? And I prayed about that a whole lot. Romans twelve says, "Present your bodies a living sacrifice." And verse three here, First Thessalonians four, this is the will of God. Now get ready, folks. Drum roll, because everybody wonders what is God's will for my life sanctification yep that's it it spells it out doesn't it it does now we think okay uh whom should i marry where should i live what kind of a job should i try to get and we think about god's will and those are important and the lord will help you but here's the will of god for you uh sanctification and i want to say this and i want your response all right if becoming more and more christ-like is job one and then all these other things, Matthew six thirty three, my life, you know, what I'm going to do, where I'm going to live, that's B, C, D, E, F, G, you know? You've got to get the first one straight first, right? right? Is that what you're saying? If, if I'm not making point A, I'm not really going to have the voice of God on B, C, and D, am I? You got it right now. Notice these words, and you, I've already mentioned it one time. It talks about just as you have received us, how you ought to to walk and to please God. In When you hear that walk, think of the journey, and you're going through the journey of life, and it's not easy. It, you're surrounded by so, so much, but here it is, for you know what, and the word commandments is a military term. It really means your marching orders that you, and notice that goes along with walk. What your marching orders are as, as you gave it to the Lord Jesus, and it is the will of God and sanctifications. That means to be made holy. Alex, that sanctification is so real. And and I was reading what David Jeremiah had to say it say about it. He said, first, there's a positional sanctification. Uh, I was sanctified in Christ Jesus. There's progressive sanctification. As I walk, I'm being sanctified, being set apart. But my goal is to be as much like Jesus as we could. It would be perfected sanctification. That doesn't mean we're perfect, but it has the idea that we're complete in him. So that's our walk with him, Alex. And that is his will. And when that is done, let me ask you this, and I'll turn it over to you. After you've done that, isn't the, you know, who you should marry, what you should be your job is more revealed in other words, it you can see it clearly. You know, uh, oh, if, uh, you exactly. walk, if you walk in him and are sanctified, you can see more clearly, can't you? Absolutely, a- absolutely. And that's why, you know, it really will 
it, it will radically improve the consistency of your walk if you view all of life in terms of stewardship. That's First Corinthians six nineteen and twenty. Uh, and frankly, Bert, it's liberating to know that my fundamental purpose is to grow in Christ, to let Him be the Lord of my time, talent, treasure, testimony, my time, my abilities, my resources, my influence. And see, we obsess about a lot of the secondary things. And uh, you know, Jesus said this. He says, you know, if, if He feeds the birds of the field, won't He feed you? Uh, you're worth more than many sparrows. And all these things the Gentiles or the lost people seek after, it liberates you from obsessing about the secondary things of life if you attend to the primary thing, which is to daily, in your, in your heart, get up on that altar, you're a living sacrifice, conformed to the image of Christ, being conformed, being sanctified. And verse 4, Paul says, every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Uh, you don't hear a lot of preaching about the possessing of the vessel. And that, that's your, your body, your person, who you are, uh, the way you live, you carry your life in sanctification and honor. Uh, Bert, um, you, I, just, I think sanctification, it sounds kind of old school, but it's really part of the Word of God, and it is really the Christian's most fundamental assignment, isn't it? It is. Let me just say, it's part of discipleship. Sanctification and discipleship go hand in hand. They run parallel with one another. If you truly want to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ, that means God is doing this work. He's working it in through you. But you have your responsibility that each of you should know how to possess his own body, his own vessel, in sanctification and honor. He's talking about this sexual passion, not mm -hmm. in passion of lust, lust, not like Gentiles who do not know God. There needs to be a hallmark the difference between the, our lives and the lives that do not know Christ. Let Christ mm. be seen in you. Hey, Alex, you ready to take phone calls the next segment? 888-589-8840. That's the number, folks. Give us a call with your Bible questions. In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. I loved it. I loved how biblically sound it was, all the scripture to back it up. The testimonies were very powerful. If it's a prodigal child that has just run away or one that's caught up in same-sex attraction, there's hope in Jesus. In His Image is now available on DVD and can be purchased in bulk to pass out to friends and family. Order today by visiting afastore.net. Hello, I'm Gary Roby, host of Call to Worship, heard each Sunday on American Family Radio. This one-hour program will lead you in a special time of worship and praise. We will focus on God's Word, spoken, and in music. Call to Worship has a different topic each week as we glorify God together. Be sure to join us at 5 a.m. Central each Sunday for a Call to Worship right here on American Family Radio. Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo announced he's resigning from his post as the Empire State's top elected official 
after the state attorney general's report found he sexually harassed multiple women. He announced his resignation would be effective 14 days from the date of announcement, at which point current lieutenant governor Kathy Hochul will be sworn in as his replacement. It's interesting that many of the same elected officials who hailed Cuomo in 2020 have turned against him in less than a year's time. And this all happens to coincide with the 2022 midterm campaign season just about to kick off in earnest. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 11 says, You were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. As a kid, I collected hats. One day I was outside after a hard rain and I saw this hat sticking up out of the mud. I picked up that wet, muddy hat, sort of wiped it off, and saw that it had a logo I really liked. Well, I took the hat home and my mom helped me clean it up. It became one of my favorites. Only a boy would pull a nasty hat out of the mud and put it on his head. But Jesus Christ reaches down into the muck of our sin, lifts us out, cleans us up, and makes us his own. Not because he really likes us, but because he deeply loves us. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 830 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. But he saves the poor from the sword of their mouth and from the hand of the strong. So the helpless has hope and injustice has shut its mouth. American Family Radio. hope you're free in Christ Jesus today. Man, our board is lit up. Uh, you've called wow. that number. No need of giving it again. Alex and I, Alex, let's get to as many as we can. But right before we go to the first caller, uh, we've got a, a ministry called By Design. And it's about the family and engaging it to grow closer, to walk with the Lord. And they usually have a monthly challenge. And this time they sent it out, a covenant challenge, uh, that you can go to afa.net slash by design. And there's a, a contract, uh, rather a covenant there that you, you can reaffirm your marriage as a couple. And you can go there, again, afa.net slash by design. And matter of fact, there's a radio program called By Design. It comes on on Saturdays at 4 p.m. Central Time. It's on AFR. It's a radio show. Great program. It has different hosts. Let me give you some of them. Abe Hamilton the third, by the way. And then mm-hmm. there's Will and Mickey Addison that comes on right before us. And then the Wildman brothers, Walker and Wesley. And there's this other guy named Bert Harper. And huh. uh, matter of fact, I'll be, I've been on it. And they'll, I'll, they ask me to preach ever so often. So when you can go on there, you can hear me just in place to teach. Teaching and preaching are very similar. But in preaching, you have a little bit more 
I would say freedom to chase rabbits. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know. But anyway, uh, it's by design four o'clock on Saturday afternoon. Tune in, and uh, you never know which one of the hosts it'll be. It'll be either Abe Hamilton, Willie and Mickey together, Walker and Wesley. They they're there, and then. Bert Harper, that's me, and we look forward to you listening to that. It's a great program. We're really reaffirming God's design for the family. With Wonderful. Alex, with that in mind, you ready to go to the phone lines? Let's do it. Where should we go first? Okay, if I can get my cursor. I got it. Yeah, we're going to Texas to Jonathan. He was on with us yesterday. Now, we normally don't take uh, two days in a row, but I just couldn't resist going to Jonathan. Now, Jonathan, you're seven years old, right? Yes. And Hi. well, we're glad Hi, to have you, man. Um, yeah. What's your question for you, us? Um, uh, about the Garden of Eden. Um, you know how Adam and Eve got kicked out of the garden because they sinned. Well, why was the devil allowed in the garden if if he was full of sin and evil? Okay. Let me see. Let me see. It was a serpent, and that serpent. Gave itself away a little bit for Satan to use him, Alex. At that time, the serpent was—it it caused one of the creatures. It wasn't necessarily crawling at that time, and uh, but you know, yeah. Well, let me share this, Jonathan, real quick. Real love must be tested. Real mm, love good must be tested, and uh, sometimes, Alex, it's a tough, tough test, isn't it? It is well, Jonathan. I just want to say thank you so much for listening to the program, and I mean it really does mean so much to us. And I, I, I feel honored to talk with you. I really do, Jonathan. And uh, thank you for the friendship. Bert is right. Real love is love that passes a test. Um, and see, God made us where we can legitimately, truly have a relationship with Him. Now. The angels had an opportunity to have a relationship with God, and sadly, about one-third of the angels sided with Lucifer in a, an overthrow attempt of heaven. They were cast down to the earth. So here's the Garden of Eden, a perfect environment, and God created human beings, Adam and Eve, and they were perfect. They hadn't sinned yet. And so Satan, this angry spirit who's been kicked out of heaven, he was flying through the air, invisible, as demons still are, and he got in. I want to say this. God permitted. God didn't cause it. God didn't make uh, Satan inhabit the body of that serpent. But this was a way to test whether or not Adam and Eve would obey God and follow God. And the serpent was not so much put in the garden, but the, the serpent was allowed into the garden. And the serpent lied, twisted the words of God. Sadly, Adam and Eve, they knew the right, but they did the wrong. And here we are today. And so the, the test for us, Bert, is if we will side with God. And how do we get on God's side? Well, we admit, we say, Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. I admit that I really deserve punishment. But I, I believe you made a way for me to be forgiven through Jesus. And, Lord, I'm on your side, and I'm going to believe in Jesus, and I'll follow him. And the good news is the fall and the damage done in the garden 
is made right through our relationship with Jesus. But um, it was it was a test to show that we truly loved God or didn't. Amen. And today, let me just share with you, greater is he who is in us as believers than Satan who is in the world. Uh, listen, we can trust God, walk with God. That's what First First Thessalonians chapter 3 and the first part of verse 4 is about, walking with God and taking your stand and stand for righteousness and holiness and Jonathan, thank you, man. Thank you for calling back. Let's go to Louisiana and talk to Ronald. Ronald, welcome. Hello. Yes, welcome to the program. How y'all doing? Uh, I was just wondering, y'all was talking about sanctification. I was wondering, how long is that process, like, before you be able to see a result? (laughs) Well, the process is lifelong. Uh, do you remember Dottie Rambo's children's song, guys, He's Still Working on Me to Make Me What I Ought to That's Be? That's a great song. It is. It's filled, and it's really talking about sanctification. He's still working on me. Now, again, it's a it's a process that started and a process that continues. And and I think what we see here in First Thessalonians for uh, Alex was as we were talking about this sanctification, the will of God, uh, I think you see it, and notice what he does. He zeroes in on your thought life, your sexu- physical, sexual life, and he said that's a pretty good judgment if you're being really uh, following God. There's going to be a difference in that. You're going to say, okay, I don't need this pornography. I don't need this uh, these things going on. You know, I think you can yeah. look at it and measure it, see if this idea of sanctification is taking place in your heart and your life yeah and and for as long as we're in this world till we're in heaven with the lord and we get that glorified body sanctification is a a really joyful pursuit as long as we live now i do think there's some things that we move beyond you know bert when i when i first got saved um you know i would get angry and say bad words i said curse words you know and i prayed about that and i knew Way back in my 20s, I knew my speech was not pleasing to God. And the, the Holy Spirit dealt with me about that. And I prayed about it. And, you know, then one day, because the caller asked, how do you know? It dawned on me, and I'm, I'm not, like, bragging or something, but I thought, wow, I don't, I don't, I don't ever curse anymore. And thank you, Lord. He, he delivered me from that. And, you know, Paul says, not that I've attained. So we don't ever think, oh, I've, I've made it now. I'm going to... But, Bert, don't you see progress in your own Christian life? Oh, listen, Alex, great. It, that is a great example. And usually there's an area in your life, uh, I don't care what age you are or what, for me, I, I've used this before, and it's simple, but I was such a fearful child. I was afraid of my shadow, I think. I, I was afraid to ask the teacher for anything, so I'd get mm-hmm. my you know, the guy next to me that I was sitting by in class to hold up their hand to ask the teacher a question because I was so fearful, you know. And the first thing I did after I got saved was go home, walk around in the dark to see if there's mm. a difference in my life. And that difference has continued to grow. Uh, yes, there is a difference. Let me call them. I think they're markers, Alex. Let's just be very... That, that's a, a really good word, a milepost. There is. There should be some milepost in your life that you're not where you're supposed to be, but thank God I'm not where I was. 
And uh, we've seen God grow and grow, but you never let up because you never arrive to the place where, okay, I don't have to, you know, struggle anymore. No, the journey is a lifelong following Christ in one step, one foot in front of the others will walk with him. Ronald, I, I loved your question, and I thank uh, you, brother. Wonderful. God bless you. Let's go to Arkansas and talk to Christy. Christy, welcome. Thank you. Um, I have a couple questions. I don't know if you'll be able to get to them um, both today. Um, should I go ahead and start with the first Go one? ahead with your first question. We'll see. Okay. Um, as Reading the Old Testament and, and other things in the Bible, um, how do you know if the passage is for just the, the Jews, like yeah. for in Isaiah, for example? Or if it's something that we can claim as ours today, I, mean, I know people that say I'm claiming this scripture and I'm praying this scripture, and and when we're you know taught in to pray scriptures, so um, is that okay to do that? And and is it kind of illegitimately using the scripture when you start claiming this or that? Thank you, Christy. Mm. Great question. That is a great. It question. is. Uh, let Profound. me see, Alex. Let's see if we remember something. If it's about the land and occupying yeah. the land, it's for Israel only. If if it's for a promise to a a nation, if they remember God, and you know what will the righteous do if the foundations be destroyed? That's true with anywhere, any time. But there are some that are specific for the Jews. How can you tell the difference? Uh, God bless you. You know what I was. I've always said it. There are for Israel national promises. There are personal promises, and there are kingdom promises. And try to look for that. And you know, Bert, I've I've had more than a few fellow clergy reprimand me, and they'll say, "Well, you know, Second Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, I will heal. You know, hear their prayer, forgive their sin, and heal their land." And some of my minister friends will say, well, you know what? That was to Israel. That's not to the USA. I know that. But the principles, look, any, any right. person or group who repents of sin and turns to God is going to be blessed for having done it. So look for the national promises that might relate to the land and getting established as a nation. Uh, those are for Israel. The personal promises that relate to spiritual growth um, they may have been to Israel, but they will work for believers now if it's a, a personal promise. Then there are kingdom promises about the kingdom of Christ being restored and uh, Christ's return. And some things like righteousness, okay, Habakkuk, that the knowledge of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. That's not going to happen until Jesus returns. So I think if we kind of prayerfully look for those three divisions, national personal and kingdom promises, we'll, we'll be able to discern. I think so, too. Let me give you one quick example. of It's, it's like Psalm 22. Uh, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The writer of the psalm, that was really real to him, but it was also prophetic of what Christ would say. So some of the promises has that, too. They are good for Israel, but they're also, they are good for another nation. They're good for another individual, but not in the land, not those. And, and I think you can do that. Hey, Christy, we take your first question. Call back because we want to get to another caller. And But we want to hear your second question as well. So give us a call back. Matter of fact, tomorrow is Fire Away Friday, so we're going to get a lot of questions. So thank you, Christy. 
Let's go to Kentucky to Jake for our last question of the day. Jake, you're on. Go ahead. How are you, how are you guys doing today? Doing well, mm-hmm. man. Doing well. Uh, I wanted uh, Alex's Alex's opinion on on the apocrypha. What he uh, what your thoughts are on that? Uh, if we should study it or if we should, because I know I know in uh, in some early Bibles it was it was. It was actually a part of the King James Bible, I believe. Okay, Alex, yeah. go ahead. We hadn't yeah. got a lot of time. I got two or three minutes, so you can take that much time. Go ahead, man. Well, you know, we talk about this in the book uh, on what is the Apocrypha. And so let me say it's, it's really kind of interesting that there are within um, Christian history, there are these books that were called Deuterocanonical and all right, it's like the a second canon, and the uh, there were Old Testament books that were written by Jewish writers before the birth of Christ, and then there is really some New Testament books that are called apocryphal. But you need to understand that nowhere do these writings call themselves scripture, and nowhere did Jesus quote them as scripture, and none of the apostles, the followers of Jesus, nor any of the early church leaders call them scripture. Now, um, I'm just going to be honest. I don't think you need to read them or study them. Now, it's not going to hurt you if you do. You can know them as a um, historical curiosity. In fact, in ancient Judaism, there was a word they called them sepharim hezonim. And by the way, all of this is in our brand new book. Now, sepharim hezonim is Hebrew for extraneous books. Isn't that something? In other words, there were some writings, and the they were never included in the Bible until the late part of the beginning of the Reformation. And without getting too much into the historical weeds, they were included in some Bibles really as an attempt to hinder the growing Protestant Reformation. But I would say it's an Interesting historical footnote, but it is not the inspired Word of God like your Bible that you have. I think the Bible says, study to show thyself approved, and that studying is the Word of God. When you find uh, Peter and Paul in in the book of Acts, and they're quoting Scripture, they're not quoting from extra-biblical material. They're quoting from the direct Word of God. And Alex, uh, I think we'd be wise to stick to that today. I I do too, really. Are you ready for Fireway Friday tomorrow? Oh, it's going to be good, folks. You don't want to miss it. Amen. And so we'll be back. We're going to get your questions. We're going to answer as many as we can. But we appreciate you listening to Exploring the Word. And we hope you'll tell someone about the program. But more importantly, tell them about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.